0: Thank you. Thank everyone for being here. We're going to begin in just a minute. Uh, if there's anyone here who is a veteran or they're currently serving, we asked if you wouldn't mind if you would come to this doorway over here uh, and, and uh, line up see Michael Pinkert over at this door over here. So if anyone here is a veteran or if they're currently serving, if they would come over for the lineup over here, we appreciate it. And we will be starting in, in uh, just a couple minutes. Thank you. Good morning. Welcome to Calvary Christian Fellowship. This is our annual service that we do for Memorial Day. This is Memorial Day service, the day that we remember those who have given their lives throughout the history of this nation so we could be here, so that we could come together in freedom. And those who have given the ultimate for that purpose. And so we appreciate everyone who's here who's visiting and, uh, uh, and participating in this. We're gonna begin this morning with a presentation of the colors. We have a troop, a Trail Life troop, Trail Life USA troop, uh, Texas 003, and American Heritage Girls uh, troop, Texas 003, that are gonna begin by presenting the colors. We'll have the national anthem, and right after that, we will have uh, the, the procession of our veterans. One more time, if, if you've just come in, if you are a veteran, uh, or you are currently serving, we ask if you wouldn't mind if you could please uh, step over to this doorway right now uh, for uh, for the procession that we'll be having in a moment. Um, the rest of us will be here and we'll be we'll be once uh, once the color guard asks us to stand, we'll stand through the procession. So uh, we'll, we'll begin now with the presentation of the colors.
1: Color Guard, attention. Troop attention, group attention. Color Guard, carry colors. Those in uniform and veterans salute. Those not in uniform, place your right hand over your heart. Color Guard, forward march. Color Guard present colors. Please join us for our national anthem. Color Guard, order
2: colors.
1: Color Guard, post. Color Guard, return to post.
0: Everyone may be seated. As we open this morning, we want to open with a scripture, a scripture meditation. This is from the Gospel of John. It's chapter 15, verses 11 through 13. Since I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. We're going to now have a a time of prayer. Pastor Zeke and Ryan Valley and myself will be offering prayers for the nation, for the family members of those who have loved ones who have fallen, and for our veterans, for those who've lost loved ones, In
3: wars. So let's pray together. Would you join me in the prayer for our nation? Blessed Heavenly Father, to whom we belong, all wisdom wisdom and might come from you. And during this time of changes in the seasons, Lord, we recognize that you remove kings and set up kings. It is you who gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. You alone, O Lord, have established this nation. Father, we make supplication to you. We pray and we intercede and we give thanks for all people, for those in authority and for those in high positions of influence, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. We pray that you give our leaders wisdom to carry out your your will, encouraging them to stand against evil, and having discernment to differentiate between right and wrong. Lord, we have turned away. We have turned away from you and your ways. We have allowed your name to be blasphemed through media, in our academies, by elected officials, in our families, and from the pulpit. Lord, we're asking for your grace and your mercy. Father, we're asking that you give us a heart that continues to see evil as evil. and To see good as good and not the other way around. Father, we live in an age where evil is called good and good is called evil. I pray our hearts would not be turned in that direction. I pray, Father, that we wouldn't have this increased love of money or desire for fame or power. For this has caused great sin against you. We as a nation, we often gratify the flesh instead of being filled with your spirit. Even those who claim faith. God, I pray that would not be us. Not in this room, not in this community. Father, we divide ourselves and act in bitterness and hatred toward one another, but no more, Lord. Let that time be past. Holy Father, open our eyes as a nation. Awaken us. Allow us to see ourselves and one another as you see us. Father, by your grace and by your mercy, Lord, please forgive us. Turn your wrath from us and heal this land. Father, in your holy name, we pray that you would forgive us of our sins and allow this country to be used for your glory yet again may your forgiveness flow through us as we also forgive others may we not hold on to bitterness toward any other person for father we have been forgiven much ourselves may your kindness rest upon us so that we may be kind to others but may your spirit empower us to help those who cannot help themselves to sit beside the hurting to hold the hand of the dying And to embrace the anxious and fearful. Grant us wisdom, O Lord, to win souls. To win souls unto you. To be your salt and light in this world. Father, woo us back unto yourself. May we fall before your throne with broken hearts. And turn back to you. May those who seek to find you find their answer God I pray that they would find you while there is still time Father we who are called by your name must humble ourselves and ask that you give us opportunity to do that we pray we seek your face and we turn from our wicked ways hear us from heaven Lord forgive us heal our land Father, your word says that some trust in chariots and in horses, but we will trust in the name of our God. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, your word says. The people whom he has chosen at his heritage. Father, we pray this in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
4: for the veterans and service members. Father God, Abba, we give you thanks for your healing work in the hearts and minds of so many veterans and service members who have lost and lose so much every time a comrade falls. Lord, only you can understand the pain and the emptiness that awaits us because you yourself have felt the emptiness and the pain at the cross. Only you can fill the void heal the torment and stop the mental pain, bless you for your everlasting compassion. Only you can erase the hard nights and the long days of depression. Only you can comfort and strengthen us. Lord, for those who have not asked and for those who have not been able to ask, I ask for them that you reach down with your timeless compassion and mercy. Touch my brothers and sisters with your healing touch that they may know that you are their God and that, and that they are an everlasting witness to your glory, love, and compassion. Help us to understand that all who have fallen did not do so in vain. Wipe the tears and sorrows from our hearts. Restore us with an abundance of your joy and love. Lord, hear our prayer. Help us, Father God, to be surrendered to the true living God through Jesus. I praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. A prayer for those who are mourning and grieving family members. Father, you are almighty. You're the God of all mercies and the giver of all comfort. Lord, we lift before you the mothers, the fathers, the sisters, the brothers, the wives, the children of those who have given their life in war. Bear up their heavy hearts. Father, wrap them in your loving arms. Allow them to lay their burdens upon you. Deal graciously, Lord, with those who mourn that they would be able to cast every care on You, that they may know the consolation of Your love, the love You've given us and shown us through Jesus our Lord. Father, we pray that You would gently remind those who mourn that all who have hope in You have the hope of eternal life. We thank You for the hope of eternal life, life beyond this life, the life to come. We thank you for the promise and the covenant you have made with your people. We reminded of your words that you gave to your Apostle John in Revelation 21, verse 4. Lord, where you have spoken to us and said you will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Lord, may we live in and with and through that hope. The blessed hope of the return of our Lord. Remind us and those who mourn that one day we will abide with Jesus, the Messiah, our King. And you will wipe away all tears from our eyes. Give rest to the heavy laden. Give hope to the hopeless. Grant your eternal life to all who trust in you. We pray these things in the name of our Lord, our Messiah, in the name of Jesus. Amen.
3: It is a privilege to introduce a dear friend of mine that you guys will be able to hear from this morning. Ty Gaston is the executive pastor at Providence Community Church in Atascocita, Texas. He has served at PCC in multiple capacities over the last eight years. He received his bachelor's in Christian counseling from Liberty University and his master's of divinity from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Ty has served on active duty in the United States Coast Guard for the last 12 years, six on active duty and six as a reservist. He is married to his beautiful wife, Megan, of 12 years and has two children, Caleb and Lauren, whom he loves to chase around. Would you please give a warm welcome to my dear friend, Ty Gaston.
5: Well, now I, uh, now I have to live up to that, so here we go. Thanks, Zeke. I appreciate that. I, I, really, I really am grateful for this opportunity, and I couldn't, I couldn't enjoy more than being able to bring the gospel to you this morning. Like Zeke said, I've served in the Coast Guard for over 12 years now, and I'm grateful for this invitation and opportunity to bring the word to you this morning. Uh, there are few, uh, fewer, more humbling invitations that another pastor can get than a, a, a pastor welcoming you into his church to preach to his congregation. So we have a lot of work to do this morning, and so with little time, I just want to go ahead and jump right in. And so, if you would, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna read the text, and then we'll pray and get going. So we're gonna be in Second uh, Timothy, chapter two, verses one through ten. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. Uh, if not, it should be on the screen. But 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 1-10 through 10 says this, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And from what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, share in suffering as a good soldier in Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore... I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may attain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come before you this morning and what better place to go than your word? What better place to go than the very thing that is called the light unto our path? And so, God, this morning, that's where we rest All of our worries, all of our anxieties, all of our fears, shame, guilt, things that we have felt walking into the sanctuary, God, we lay them before your feet. We lay them before your feet, God, and we trust that you are a good God who is not just willing but able to lead us out of them. And so, God, as we approach your word this morning with confidence, as we approach your throne with confidence, we ask that you would meet us here. We ask that you would open up our hearts in our minds to hear from you. God, you have promised to be with us whenever we gather. And so, God, we just, we hope that you remove any obstacle that may be in front of us in order to experience that relationship with you. So, God, we love you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So, like I mentioned, I've been in the Coast Guard for over 12 years, and uh, I've really enjoyed my time, but you never would have been able to convince me of that uh, in the first two to three weeks of me being at boot camp. It was nothing short of a miserable experience for me. It It was very jarring, and I'm sure anyone that has ever served, you have felt that similar tension that you get to, I mean, unless you're just a masochist and you just like to be punished, but for me... I did not. I grew up in a nice home, and so going to a place where people yelled at me and made me do things was not good. Uh, At least I didn't feel like it was at the time. And honestly, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, and it seemed like the company commanders at boot camp lived to make my life miserable and to mess me up mentally. There's a, I honestly, I have a lot of stories that at the end of the day, it would just make you laugh. Some of them are appropriate to tell. Some of them not in church. But the company commanders would do everything that they could to make sure that you knew that you were absolutely out of control and they were in control. One of the stories that they uh, that I really like to tell a lot that probably makes me laugh the most was it was in the first couple of weeks and we're marching to uh, the mess hall where we're going to eat lunch. And Every time that we go to eat lunch, we assign somebody to stand outside and watch our bags. And that is their sole job, is to make sure, stand watch, watch the bags. If another company commander comes in and tries to take the bags, they're to stop them, say they're not in the chain of command, and, and dismiss them off. Uh, kindly, but firmly. And that goes for anyone there. And so they would always mess with them and, and try to get them to do it. And if they didn't do it, they start taking backpacks and throwing them out in the lawn. And, and uh, it's, if they don't say it right, they mess with them. Well, one of the times that uh, that we get there, uh, one of the recruits is assigned uh, to watch our bags, and instead of watching the bags, a company commander caught him staring at the very large seagulls that were everywhere on our boot, at our boot camp base. And when I say large, I mean like turkey large. Like these seagulls are a good three feet tall. They're not normal. They might as well be dragons. And what... What was funny was he wouldn't stop looking at them. He caught the eye of a company commander. He goes over there and makes him move from there. He reassigns another recruit to the bag and makes him stand at the beginning of the mess hall. And every time a seagull flew past the door, he had to salute it and say, good morning, Mr. Pelican. And it was funny because this guy's screaming at the top of his lungs to no pelicans in sight, to these gigantic birds. And everyone is laughing at him. And there was countless of other moments like this that seemed like arbitrary torture. But truthfully, I was too immature in the moment to see what was going on and see what was happening. Because every single one of these examples, down to the very last insult that was given to us, was and had a purpose for us. So while the Pelican story is hilarious, it pointed to a greater principle that is imperative for us to learn, not only then, but also now spiritually. And that's to not allow the things in front of us to distract you from the mission by which you've been called. And if we are not careful, this type of flippant thinking can infiltrate our grounds and affect how we live our lives. Here's what I mean by that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Chapter, uh, chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. I know we said we we're going to be in 2 Timothy, but it's important to lay some groundwork before we get there. So Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now every Christian hears this, be strong in the Lord and loudly, loudly proclaims yes and amen, and they ought to. We put it everywhere, from fireplaces to Yeti thermoses. It goes everywhere in our lives. And the truth is is that we should proclaim it from the rooftops. However, we have to ask additional questions if we're going to do this right. It's not just be strong in the Lord, but we have to ask, why do we need to be strong? And what am I fighting against that requires strength? So let's keep going. Verse number 11. So what we must be strong against is more, if you you caught this, it's more than what we can physically see. And it extends beyond that into what is metaphysically true. There are greater realities that are happening beyond what we experience in the real time. So when Paul said this to the Ephesian church, one uh, in that church might have wondered, Paul, what do you mean we don't wrestle with flesh and blood? You have been beaten with rods, imprisoned, left for dead, shipwrecked, endangered countless times and more. What do you mean your battle isn't physical? Well, we know that from the apostle that there stands a battle behind the battle. In fact, beyond the battle is more than that. Beyond the battle is a war that's taking place. There's an unseen cosmic and spiritual battle in which we are engaged whether we like to admit it or not. It is a true reality for us. Here is where the enemy wins. It's when he convinces us that what's in front of us is the battle and not what's going on behind it. The enemy wins, and he's been doing this from the beginning, when he takes good, right, and true things and twists them to dishonor God and disrupt his people. Let me get a little more specific. The enemy would have you believe that uh, that the battles you need to fight are fought in the political sphere. The enemy would have you believe that the real battles are fought in the philosophical or ideological sphere. The enemy would have you to believe that your spouse is the problem, your kids are the problem, or your job is the problem. The enemy would have you believe that your Calvinist or Arminian brother is the problem. Now sometimes, because he's crafty, he will direct your target even away from these things and have you believe that God is the problem. You fill in the blank. But he would never have you be reminded that these things are but surface level battles that are actually pointing to a spiritual war taking place beneath it. Because when that happens, now he's the culprit and God's the hero. So he will do whatever he can, even seemingly Christian things, to make you believe and me believe. We don't need to pay attention to that. It's not important. This morning we're going to talk about what a good soldier of Christ Jesus looks like. But before we can even broach that topic, we need to be in tune and aware that we are in a cosmic spiritual war. And it's always ongoing and it never stops. Everything that you see is informative and instructive. Everything in your life is meant to teach and lead you somewhere. You're, it's not whether or not you are being influenced. It's what you are being influenced by. It, it is like in the same way that a plant cannot just sit in a neutral state but is either dying or growing. That is our life. We are either being influenced by the culture, by the enemy, or influenced by God. But no, nothing else. There's no other option. The, the option where we constantly hear the language, "Well, I'm just stagnant in my faith, or my I'm not really growing right now. I've just kind of hit this neutral spot." That does not, friends, that does not exist. We are either growing or we are not. And the more that we are aware of that, the more that we can see how we ought to be pursuing God. So this leads us, looking at this battle. This leads us to Second Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, we learn this is Paul's second letter that he wrote to Timothy, except this time it'll be his last. Paul, at the end of his life, is awaiting execution and is giving his final marching orders to one of the men that he has commissioned to carry the church beyond his life. And so that means these are his last words, and every single one of them are meant to be meaningful and full of life. Potent, if you will. So let's go. 2 Timothy Chapter two, verses one through three, says this. You then, my child, Paul talking to Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also share in good suffering as a soldier of Christ Jesus. Notice how this portion also begins the same way that the text in Ephesians chapter six did. Be strong in the Lord is a phrase that you often hear throughout all of Scripture, not just in Paul's letters, but throughout all of the texts, And it's true. It's a a, a phrase that we must constantly be repeating to ourselves. But Paul especially says it after he's about to send you into a spiritual war conversation. I don't want to get ahead of myself because we will touch on this at the end. But being strong in Christ is the answer. And again, we'll... We'll touch on this at the end. So how do you solidify that strength? Well, make more soldiers is what he says. Entrust this gospel to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Make more soldiers. A bigger army is a better army. And how do we do that? We live a life of purpose with those around us. It would be easy to look at this and say, well, that's what pastors are supposed to do. And that's true. Pastors are called to equip the saints for the work of ministry. But there is nothing stopping you and me and any one of us from doing the exact same thing and enlisting into the army of God. This is what it means to share in suffering, that you live a life that doesn't center around you and your comforts. In fact, Charles Spurgeon said it this way. There is no greater evil than for a heart to be happy in idolatry. That is a wild statement given the state of our our culture and our history. There is no greater evil, none, not another one, no greater evil than for a heart to be happy in idolatry. Why? Because anything that you worship, you will be willing to do for. You will sacrifice anything for whatever it is that you worship and if that's you and your comforts then that means everyone else is willing to go to the wayside so the best way to not do that start discipling other people and entrusting the gospel to them now another question also beckons itself and this question will round out the rest of our morning and so if we're supposed to share in suffering as a good soldier in Christ then the question asks itself, what is a good soldier? What does it mean to be a soldier of Jesus Christ? And what does it mean to be a good one? Because if there's the call to be a soldier of Christ Jesus, then that means that there's the possibility for one to be an enemy. There's also a possibility to be a bad soldier or a good one. So we need to know what does it mean to be a good one. Luckily, Paul doesn't leave us alone. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says this, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Now, many believe when they read this text that this is a call to avoid the secular world. But the truth is, is that theologically we're not afforded that rule. Because for the believer, there is no such thing as sacred and secular. Everything is secular. Like, you know, every, sorry, everything is sacred. That would be bad if it was. Everything is sacred. There's not a secular part of your life, your church life, your work life, your home life, and then all of of those are all separated. We don't get to compartmentalize our lives. If God created everything in this world, we ought to look at everything as sacred. Everything is an opportunity to either honor or dishonor God. And so we don't get the opportunity to separate it. So this is not talking about avoiding the secular world because at the end of the day, that doesn't exist. So then, again, beckons another question, what is civilian pursuits? Well, there are obviously things that we ought to avoid. I mean, you're not, you're not going to gamble to the glory of the Lord. That's just, that's not going to work. But this, test, this text is less about secular and more about an intentional life that pursues good and rejects evil. And listen, like I mentioned before, don't be fooled. Just because something has the veneer of Christianity does not make it so. We serve an enemy that is crafty. He is crafty and he will do anything to make you direct your attention away from God. That includes taking good things that God has given us and making them God things that you worship. And now, guess what? Anything that's a good thing that becomes a God thing is now a bad thing. Everything that I mean, the Bible says that children are a blessing from the Lord. But if you make your children and put them on a pedestal and start worshiping them, no longer are they the blessing, but they're the curse. Because they can't fulfill the godlike and divine responsibilities that only God can. And so when you put that on them, it crushes them and disappoints you. And now you're at a position where you're potentially blaming God for what is going on in your life. We have to make sure that we have good discernment. Not getting entangled in civilian pursuits means understanding not just what is right and wrong, but understanding what is right and almost right. The, The difference between being faithful to God and just kind of faithful seems like it's a small gap, but it is a massive gap in eternity standpoint. It's massive. Good soldiers live with the awareness that the war is going on. There's a sense of concentration, austerity, self-denial, and disregard for trivial matters. Good soldiers aren't legalists that attempt to govern and lord over others their ideals. We don't take things further than what Scripture goes and then hold people to them. Because now, that means we are trying to stand in the place of God And we want people to please us, not us please the one who enlisted us, not please the God that has commanded us. Good soldiers are not trying to dictate from their own throne. They are not trying to overthrow their own king. What are they? And this is my first point. A good soldier of Christ Jesus is devoted to his king. A good soldier knows who his king is and derives his strength from there. He does not need to go anywhere else. He doesn't need to manufacture any strength on his own. He doesn't need to be the biggest one in the room. Just like David, he can sit there and be confident in the God that has saved him. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is, and we actually ended up naming our son after, uh, after this man, Caleb. When they send spies over to the land and they come back and say, there's giants in the land. They make, it, they make us look like grasshoppers. We cannot go there. And Caleb looks at everyone that just went over there with him and he says, are you kidding me? Like, we just watched God separate a sea and destroy the Egyptians, which we were enslaved to for thousands of years. And a couple giants you're worried about? Come on. A good soldier is confident in the strength that his king has. Let's keep going. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. He goes on and moves on to another another analogy. He says this: an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So one of, one of my hobbies, uh, I'm sure, unless there are other, unless there's another one of you out there, you will not see this as a hobby. But one of my hobbies is I, I like to run triathlons, and I really enjoyed. And the last one that I got to do uh, was a little bit north of Dallas, and. It was a a longer distance than I've normally done, and so I was a little bit nervous. The swim was going to be a mile long, uh, which doesn't sound a lot if you're running, but swimming, it's forever. It feels forever, at least. And so what we were doing was we would start at the beach, and we would run out, and you would swim uh, several hundred meters out uh, to the end of the bay, take a right, and then take a right, come back to the beach, and then make a second loop. And several people, uh, I didn't know this, but I found out from uh, my wife and my mother who were there several people after the first loop got out and said whatever i'll just take the penalty i'm going to keep going unfortunately the penalty is disqualification there's no time penalty and this is the kind of thing that paul was talking about an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules so there wasn't ever going to be a moment where these people got out after the first loop said okay well i'll take the 10 minute time penalty and just go And then they show up at the end, and then they just tack 10 minutes onto their time, and then they're like, okay, good, that was worth it. Not going to happen. You didn't finish the race. You cheated. So you don't get crowned. That's how that works. A good soldier doesn't abandon his marching orders because he thinks that his way is better. So what does this mean? This is my second point. A good soldier of Christ Jesus is disciplined in his practices. So a good soldier of Christ Jesus needs to be ferociously in love with his Bible. This means that every time that we're encountered with a situation, it may not have the exact answer that we're looking for. I mean, for goodness sakes, the Bible does not answer whether or not I should join the Coast Guard. It doesn't. But there are wisdom principles that I can apply that are derived from God's word. And at bare minimum, it ought to give me pause to say, what would God say to this? A good soldier doesn't abandon the one that has enlisted him, who's told him the right way to go, who's given the right guidelines to be able to live his life. He doesn't abandon that because he thinks that he can do it in a more efficient or better way. At at its core, being able to say that you know better than God is the deepest of heresies. This is what happened in the garden. Adam and Eve abandoned the marching orders. They abandoned the command. Because there was a crafty enemy. Who told them they should? They just don't want you to be like God. Yeah, maybe you're right. I ought to be like God. Snack. Ruins everybody's life after that A good soldier doesn't abandon his marching orders because he thinks his way is better. What does this mean? This this means that the lord has dictated what is good true and right and we are never and will never be in a place That we can question it in the same way that my two-year-old cannot tell me I don't have a two-year-old now But when my child was two my two-year-old can't tell me that i'm driving poorly you know nothing about driving. You can't even drive your toy car, let alone a real one. In the same way that I can't tell God that he did something wrong, he literally sees all time at once. Past, present, and future at the exact same time. He sees everything. Everything's done to him. He's not, we, see, the problem is, is that we try to pull God into our time-space continuum and then try to judge him based off of that. God is not on our continuum. He's outside of it. He sees what we don't. He sees the end. In fact, he doesn't just see the end. He is there already. It's done. And so when God leads us down a path that either doesn't make sense or we can't understand it, the place that we ought to be is, God, what are you teaching me? Not, God, what are you doing? Those are wildly different positions. So a good soldier of Christ Jesus is disciplined in his practices. He runs to the word of God and he leans into prayer. Second Timothy chapter two, verses six says this. It is the in the third analogy. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of his crops. So there's a particular joy that awaits the believer that labors for the kingdom. This is what it means. This is what Christ meant when he said seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added to you. You know what's amazing about that? And this is why it's really important to know your Bible and to arc different texts and reference them. Because later on in in the book of Acts, when you see the church come together, the kingdom start to be built and to come together. What you see is Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. And you see the people of God providing for anyone who had need. So anyone that was there, a part of that kingdom building, if they had a need, bam, it was filled. No questions asked. So what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you? That's what it means. If you need something, don't worry about making that your primary objective because you risk making that an idol. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and he will provide. Seek first the kingdom of God and He will, and, and that is not... Listen, that's not cliche. It's just true. It's just true. God will provide. And it doesn't matter what it is, how big it is. We serve a very big God who is willing and able. And we ought to trust that. What does it mean to be a good soldier of Christ Jesus that is dutiful in his pursuit? Which is my last point. A good soldier of Christ Jesus is dutiful. What does that mean? It means that they have a sense of duty about them in the way that they live. Where he or she lives, works, shops, eats, all have significance to them. It means that the Christian's pursuit of God and pursuit of his kingdom deeply impact how, the, how they invest in those around them and how they invest their time. They have the mindset, the warlike mindset of taking the city for the sake of Christ. Every opportunity Every stroll through Target, every stroll into a Starbucks, into church, into a school, every stroll is purposeful. Every stroll, every conversation has a sense of duty about it. Now, that can seem a bit overwhelming. In fact, in some ways, it could seem like, man, I'm just, gosh, I'm terrible. I'm not doing it right. I don't even know how to do it. But Paul doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't just leave us with a good soldier in Christ. Jesus is devoted to his king and disciplined in his practices and dutiful in his pursuit. He finishes with some of the most encouraging words. And honestly, he finishes the same way that he started. Verse number seven. Think over what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember jesus christ risen from the dead the offspring of david as preached in my gospel for which i'm suffering bound with chains as a criminal But the word of the word of god is not bound Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they may also obtain the salvation that is in christ jesus with eternal glory What he's saying here is that war is hard A good soldier doesn't mean that he is a clean soldier a good soldier sometimes doesn't mean that you're a healthy soldier. It doesn't mean that you're, most, you're the most prosperous soldier. A good soldier means that you're an obedient one, you're a faithful one. A good soldier means that sometimes you're going to encounter difficult parts in the spiritual war that we are a part of, and some things are just not going to make sense. However, understanding what is going on around you and why God does things is not the command that's given. Obediences, and this can be difficult and and, and i don't really have a lot of i don't really have a lot of empirical evidence for this but it's just it's something i feel like i hear all the time it's it's like we like you hear those stories of people being perfectly healthy nothing wrong with them they go in for a checkup they find out they have stage four cancer and all of a sudden their life drops off a cliff or they, they feel like they have you know, just, a, just a minor headache that won't really go away. They go in, there's a mass there, and then all of a sudden they're on their deathbed a week later. My, my, my thinking and thought process is, would they have been there? Would they have fallen off that cliff or on their deathbed a week later? Would, would that have happened if they didn't know? Was it the understanding that brought that on? Because they understood more about what was going on and the weight of it crushed them. Because they didn't know where to put it. My whole point in saying that is oftentimes understanding does not make it better. The answer to why often, probably more often than not, doesn't help. Because sometimes the why is not what you want to hear. It makes it worse. What Paul is saying here is that as you walk in obedience... The Lord will open up your eyes to its purpose. That may not make sense in the moment. It may not make sense for two weeks, two years, 20 years, or until you reach eternity. But it will make sense. Because God is not without purpose. God is not without reason. If God is working all things, not some things, not good things, not bad things, but all things for the good of those who love him. If he's working all things for good then we have to trust that. That's the base where we need to start. Our starting point has to be there. We may not understand it. We may not have answers, but that's our starting point. God is a good God, and we can move from there. Because the minute you start questioning God's goodness, you'll start to question His sovereignty. It it always follows. I've been in ministry for 14 years at this point. It always follows. The degradation of the spiritual life of a Christian... Always starts with questioning the goodness of God. If you can preserve the goodness of God, you will preserve everything about Him. There will be nothing that can shake you. Nothing. If it, if it just starts with God is a good God. So, what Paul is saying here is that as you walk in obedience, the Lord will show you that. And additionally, what does He do? He completes this portion of text by ending it the same way He began it. As you fight as a good soldier, You look to your true hero, which is Jesus. He gives us the strength to keep fighting. He is not just the crucified Christ. He is the risen Christ. He's the one who has conquered already, won the war already. There is not even a battle to be fought. He's already won it, and he's invited you into it. Look to the true hero. You don't have to be it. Christ already is. He won the war on our behalf and gives us the strength to fight Fight on until he returns and we go home to glory. And lastly, this is the last portion, when he said, Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. They may also obtain the salvation that is in Jesus, Christ Jesus, with eternal glory. Lastly, the battle that you face, the war that you face, and the suffering that you have is not for you. The overcoming of that is not for you. For one, it's for God and his glory. But two, it's for everyone else around you. You have a watching world, both children and those outside the faith, that get a window into the kingdom when you suffer well. When you suffer well, God extends grace and mercy into your life, and others get to witness it. I have known countless amounts of people that have watched the suffering of faithful believers and came to know Jesus because of it. So when you find your place, in a battle or war, know and understand that that suffering is more than just you. As Paul said, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Endure for the sake of others. Endure for the sake of the kingdom. The truth is is that your testimony and your suffering will amount to great and incredible things for the kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you right now and. I understand that there are a lot of people, a lot of stories, both stories that are both triumphal and tragic. And so, God, we ask that you would be with those that are here. Be with me. God, in the times that we fail, we ask that you would show us that you've already won. God, as your text says a little bit on in what we read, when we are faithless, show yourself and prove yourself to be faithful. i are so grateful that you have invited us into this wonderful world and story called the gospel. Where we get to experience peace and joy on this side of heaven. We don't have to wait for it. It's already offered. And so God, as we seek to be good soldiers, help us to lay a hold of that joy and that peace. So that way when the battle does come, we can fight well and obediently and faithfully. God, we need you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.
0: If we could please stand, we're going to have a moment of silence, a moment of reflection in honor of all those who have given all. After a moment of silence, we'll ring a bell for each branch of the service that have lost brothers and sisters in our nation's wars, for the United States Army, for the Navy, For the Marine Corps, for the Air Force, for the Coast Guard. So let's just take a moment to reflect, to honor, to meditate. we'd like to do before we close out this morning, if we could please have uh, uh, those who are veterans among us, if you could please stand. If you are currently serving, if you could please stand. And then also if you have a family member, a close family member who is currently serving, if you would please stand. If you would mind, could you please come forward? We have uh, something we'd like to give to you. If we can have the troops Come up here. Come on up, guys. We need to get just a little bit organized over here. What, um, what we'd like to do, and first of all, thank you all, truly, truly thank you all. What we'd like to do is we have a flag we want to, to present to each one. If you wouldn't mind just uh, stating your name and if it's a family member who's serving, who that is, what uh, service they're, they're currently serving in. Or if you're the one who served, if you could please just let us know uh, uh, where you served and how you served, that would be that would be fantastic. We would truly appreciate it.
2: Okay,
4: Okay. I'm Christy Faulkner, and I served in the United States Air Force. Uh,
5: Jimmy Faulkner, United
3: States Air
0: Force.
3: Eric Anderson. U.S. Army, and Texas National Guard.
5: Ty Gaston, United States Coast Guard. Michael Pinkert, U.S. Army.
1: I'm Dee Dee Robinson, but my son Aaron Robinson is um, in the Army.
2: Um, Vanessa Gutierrez, uh, my little brother. He's in, in China today. Um, he's in Navy. Um, my cousin, he's uh, um. Oh my lord. <laughs> uh, he loves his um, arm, yeah. But he's okay.
4: Yeah. I am Jeffrey Holloway. My son, Timothy Moore, is in the United States Navy.
1: John Garcia. My brother served in the Marines. I lost two cousins in the Vietnam War, and I have a niece serving in the Army.
5: Ron Gold, United States Army.
2: I'm Monica Martinez, and my son is in the Marines.
0: Can we please thank our veterans? Thank you. We truly appreciate you all coming forward. Uh, Thank you very much. If you can have a seat now with your family as we close out. We have a. um, I also want to do this. Can we thank our, our brother Ty for sharing the word with us this morning as well? You know, the fact is, as much as there is a physical war, physical wars that have needed to be fought in order that we can be here to preserve, even so much more there's a spiritual war. And it has been fought by those in the previous generation, and it's been handed down to us, and we are all enlisted in this. And should the Lord tarry, it's our job to hand it down to the next generation. May it be said of us what was said of David, that we accomplish the purpose of God in our generation. That we have carried that torch. So we thank those who have physically demonstrated this. We thank, and, and I thank each one of you who have taken this and understood this in your heart to m- make and reach our generation for the Lord as a, as a good soldier in his army. That said, we have one uh, more thing that we want to do this morning to honor A family who has served here uh, among us, dearly and deeply loved. They are getting ready to move, and we would just like to take a moment to pray over them, to thank them for their service in this place, knowing that as where they're going to, they are going to be as much a blessing there. And uh, it will be a a void in our hearts. Um, We know that that though we are distant in time and space, they won't be distant in our hearts. will continue to be deep love and appreciation for them. If Jarrett and Losney and your family can come down, the mm-hmm. Chapmans. I think it's um it's really fascinating that this is their last service with us in this season, so
3: Family Bible. Cool. This is a, this is for you, for you're right. on forever, brother. This is so fancy. fancy.
2: What are you
0: doing? The there it goes. <laughs> and I, hang on, hang on. We want to we want to pray for you. Thank
3: you. Yeah. You know, uh, J- Jared served on the youth ministry for as long as I've been here. In fact, he was on a youth ministry staff, uh, a volunteer staff, before I got here, and he has been a faithful, faithful brother, a very dear friend. One of the things that uh, I just find so encouraging is just his, his ability to, in, uh, to bring energy, without trying, bring energy into any environment that he's a part of. Our youth have been so, so uh, grateful uh, for the energy you've brought to our youth. And I know you, God is using you and has a, has a very special mission for you to accomplish in the new place he's placing you. And we, are, we just want to join in with him, with what God is doing in your life. That's what our objective is, is to join in with what God's already doing. Right. And so God has called uh, the Chapman family to a new place. But I have no doubt that he's going to be just as a, a blessing there as he was, uh, as he is, as you have been to all of us, Thanks, brother. Bro. I love you, Thanks, man. Bro. Would you all join us in, uh, in prayer, would you all uh, stand up and just extend a hand, uh, not that that's anything super spiritual or anything like that, but uh, just uh, join us in agreement as we pray over our brother.
2: <laughs>
3: Send your vibes, don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> Father, we, our hearts are uh, is just jumbled right now, we have in, in incredible joy, and, and uh, Lord, our hearts are feeling heavy, knowing that our brother is, is going away, moving away, uh, but Lord, we know That uh, the joy that we have in knowing that this is part of your plan in his life, uh, that brings us joy all the more. And I pray a special blessing on the Chapman family. Mm -hmm. I pray, God, that wherever they go, they know that they are beloved. They are beloved by this faith family here, that that's never going to change, that this uh, will always be referenced as home And uh, he'll always be referenced as our brother. And I praise you, God, so much that you've wired our hearts to have that kind of eternal connection. And I praise you, Lord, so much for what you've done in the Chapman family, in them and through them, for the life of this church for these many years. God, I pray a special blessing on them. Father, I pray that you would give them peace. Lord, you give them joy. That, Father, they would have safety on their trip to and from. Uh, Lord, that they would find a home church there that would love them and that we'd find a home church that they could serve you and continue to be used by you for the furtherance of your glory. Amen. We love you, Father. We praise you. And, God, we love this family. And we know that, that as much as they are beloved and dear to us, we know that's of no comparison for your love for them. And we praise you and we have rest in that. We love you, Father. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you uh, give the Chapmans just a warm, warm thank you for all that they've done?
0: <laughs> if you're going to steal something, that's the thing to steal. <laughs> it's a whole new meaning to hold the word close to your heart. We're going to close now with a uh, "with God Bless America." I pray that this would be a song of worship, but it would also be a prayer. That we would sing this as a as a prayer. We would sing it as a song of worship and and uh, let's sing it together. God bless America Land that I love Stand beside her And guide her Through the night with your light from above From the mountains To the prairies To the oceans white with foam, God bless America, my home. Make sure you greet one another as you leave this today. And, uh, and, and share the love of Jesus with one another. Amen? Amen. Thank you for being here.